Chapter Seventeen of Nobody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nobody by Susan Warner. Chapter Seventeen. Tom's decision. The Caruthers family took their departure from Appledore. Well, we have had to fight for it, but we have saved Tom. Julia remarked to Mister Lennox standing by the guards and looking back at the islands as the steamer bore them away saved yes she said decidedly we have saved him it is a responsibility said the gentleman shrugging his shoulders i am not clear that you have not saved tom from a better thing than he'll ever find again perhaps you'd like her said miss julia sharply how ridiculous all you men are about a pretty face the remaining days of her stay in appledore lois roved about to her heart's content and yet i will not say that her enjoyment of rocks and waves was just what it had been at her first arrival the island seemed empty somehow appledore is lovely in september and october and lois sat on the rocks and watched the play of waves and delighted herself in the changing colors of the sea and sky and clouds and gathered wild flowers and picked up shells but there were somehow very present to her vision of a fair kindly handsome face and eyes that sought hers eagerly and hands that were ready gladly with any little service that was room to render she was no longer troubled by a group of people dogging her footsteps and she found now that there had been however inopportune a little excitement in that it was very well that they were gone she acknowledged for mr caruthles might have come to like her too well and that would have been inconvenient and yet it is so pleasant to be liked upon the sober humdrum of lois's everyday home life tom caruthles was like a bit of brilliant embroidery and we know how involuntary the eyes seek out such a spot of color and how they returned to it yes life at home was exceedingly pleasant but there was a picture in gray this was a dash of blue and gold it had better be gray lois said to herself life is not glitter and yet a little bit of glitter on the grays and browns is so delightful well it was gone there was small hope now that anything so brilliant would ever illuminate her quiet course again Lois sat on the rocks and looked at the sea, and thought about it. If they, Tom and his friends, did not come to Appledore at all, her visit would have been most delightful. Nay, it had been most delightful, whether or no. But this, and her New York experience, had given Lois a new standard by which to measure life and men. From one point of view, it is true, the new loss in comparison with the old tom and his people were not religious they knew nothing of what made her own life so sweet they had not her prospects or joys in looking on towards the far future nor her strength and security in view of the trials and vicissitudes of earth and time she had the best part of it as she joyfully confessed to herself seeing the glorious breaking of the waves and watching the play of light on them and recalling cowper's words my father made them all 
but there remained another aspect of the matter which raised other feelings in the girl's mind the difference in education those people could speak french and mr caruthers could speak spanish and mr lennox spoke german whether well or ill lois did not know but in any case how many doors in literature and in life stood open to them which were closed and locked doors to her and all we know that ever since bluebeard's time i might go back farther and say ever since eve's time eve's daughters have been unable to stand before a closed door without the wish to open it the impulse partly for good partly for evil is uncontestable lois fairly longed to know what tom and his sister knew in the field of learning and there were other fields there was a certain light graceful inimitable habit of the world and of society familiarity with all the pretty and refined ways and uses of more refined portions of society knowledge and practices of propriety as the above-mentioned classes of the world recognized them which all seemed to lois greatly desirable and becoming nay the said proprieties and so forth were not always the most important kind mrs caruthers could be what lois considered coolly rude upon occasion and her mother could be carelessly impolite and mr lennox could be wanting in the delicate regard which a gentleman should show a lady i suppose thought lois he did not think i would know any better in these things these essential things some of the farmers of shampuasha and their wives were the peers at least if not the superiors of these fine ladies and gentlemen but in lesser things these people knew how to walk gracefully sit gracefully eat gracefully their manner and address in all the little details of life had the ease and polish and charm which comes of use and habit and confidence the way mr lennox and tom would give help to a lady in getting over rough rocks of the apple door the deference with which they would attend to her comfort and provide for her pleasure the grace of a bow the good breeding of a smile the ease of action which comes from trained physical and practised mental nature these and a great deal more even the details of dress and equipment which are only possible to those who know how and which are instantly seen to be excellent and becoming even by those who do not know how all this had appealed mightily to lois's nature and raised in her longings and regrets more or less vague but very real all that she would like to have she wanted the familiarity with books and also the familiarity with the world which some people had the secure aplomb and the easy facility of manner which are so imposing and so attractive to a girl like lois she felt that to these people life was richer larger wider than to her its riches more at command the standpoint higher from which to take a view of the world the facility greater which could get from the world what it had to give and it was a closed door before which lois stood truly on her side of the door there was very much that she had and they had not but she knew that and did not fail to recognize it and appreciate it what was the lord's beautiful creation to them a place to kill time in and to get rid of as fast as possible the ocean to them 
was little but a great bathtub or a very inconvenient separating medium which prevented them from going constantly to paris and rome to judge by all that appeared the sky had no colors for them and the wind no voices the flowers no speech and as for the bible and the hopes and joys which take their source there they knew no more of it so than if they had been mahometans they took no additional pleasure in the things of the natural world because those things were made by a hand that they loved poor people and lois knew they were poor and yet she said to herself and also truly the possession of her knowledge would not be lessened by the possession of theirs and a little pensiveness mingled for a few days with her enjoyment of appledore meanwhile mrs wishart was getting well so they have all gone she said a day or two after the carothel's party had taken themselves away yes and appledore seems you can't think how lovely said lois she had just come in from a ramble you saw a great deal of them dear quite a good deal did you ever see such bright pimpernel isn't it lovely i don't understand how tom could get away i believe he did not want to go why didn't you keep him i said lois with an astonished start why should i keep him mrs wishart because he likes you so much does he said lois a little bitterly yes don't you like him how do you like him lois he is nice mrs wishart but if you ask me i do not think he has enough strength of character if tom has let them carry him off against his will he is rather weak lois made no answer had he and had they done it a vague notion of what might be the truth of the whole transaction floated in and out of her mind and made her indignant whatever one's private views of the danger may be i think no one likes to be taken care of in this fashion of course tom caruthers was and could be nothing to her lois said to herself and of course she could be nothing to him but that his friends should fear the contrary and take measures to prevent it stirred her most disagreeably yes if things had gone so then tom certainly was weak and it vexed her that he should be weak very inconsistent when it would have occasioned her so much trouble if he had been strong but when is a human nature consistent altogether this visit to appledore the pleasure of which began so spicily left a rather flat taste upon her tongue and she was vexed at that there was another person who probably thought tom weak and who was curious to know how he had come out of this trial of strength with his relations but mr dillwyn had wandered off to a distance and it was not till a month later that he saw any of the crothels by that time they were settled in their town quarters for the winter and there one evening he called upon them he found only julia and her mother by the way he said when the talk had rambled on for a while how did you get on at the isles of shoals we had an awful time said julia you cannot conceive of anything so slow how long did you stay oh ages we were there four or five weeks imagine if you can 
nothing but sea and rocks and no company no company what kept you there oh tom what kept tom mrs wishart got sick you see and couldn't get away poor soul and that's what made her stay so long and you had to stay too to nurse her no nothing of that miss lothrop was there and she did the nursing and then a ridiculous aunt of hers came to help her you stayed for sympathy don't be absurd philip you know we were kept by tom we could not get him away what made tom want to stay oh that girl how did you get him away at last just because we stuck to him no other way he would undoubtedly have made himself a fool with that girl he was just ready to do it but we never gave him a chance george and i and mother we surrounded him <laughs> said julia laughing we kept close by him and never left him alone tom got enough of it at last and agreed very melancholy to come away he is dreadfully in the blues yet you have a good deal to answer for julia now don't philip that's what george says it's too absurd just because she has a pretty face all you men are bewitched by pretty faces she has a good manner too manner she has no manner at all and she don't know anything out of her garden we have saved tom from a great danger it would be a terrible thing perfectly terrible to have him marry a girl who is not a lady nor even educated woman you think you could not have made a lady of her mamma do you hear philip isn't he too bad just because that girl has a little beauty i wonder what there is in beauty it turns all your heads mamma do you hear mr dillwyn he wishes we had let tom have his head and marry this little gardening girl indeed i do not said philip seriously i am very glad you succeeded in preventing it but allow me to ask if you are sure that you have succeeded is it quite certain tom will not have his head after all he may cheat you yet oh no he is very melancholy but he has given it up if he don't we'll take him abroad in the spring i think he has given it up his being melancholy looks like it true i'll sound him when i get a chance the chance offered itself very soon for tom came in and when mr dillon left the house tom went to walk with him they sauntered along fifth avenue which was pretty full of people still enjoying the mid-air and the beautiful starlight tom what did you do at the isles of shoals mr dillwyn asked suddenly did a lot of fishing capital trolling all your fishing done on seas eh all my successful fishing what was the matter not a faint heart no it's disgusting the whole thing tom broke out with hearty emphasis you don't like to talk about it i'll spare you if you say so i don't care what you do to me said tom and i have no objection to talk about it to you nevertheless he stopped have you changed your mind i shouldn't have changed my mind if i lived to be as old as methuselah that's right well then the thing is going on 
it isn't going on and i suppose it never will had the lady any objection i cannot believe that i do not know <sighs> said tom with a big sigh i almost think she hadn't but i never could find that out what hindered you old fellow my blessed relations julia and mother made such a row i would not have minded the row neither for men must marry to please himself not his mother and i believe no man ever yet married to please his sister but philip they did not give me a minute i could never join her anywhere but julia would be round the next corner or george would be there before me george must put his own oar in and between them they kept it up and you think she liked you tom was silent a while well he said at last i won't swear for you never know where a woman is till you got her but if she didn't all i have to say is signs aren't good for anything it was philip now who was silent for several minutes what's going to be the upshot of it oh i suppose i shall go abroad with julia and george in the spring and end by taking an orthodox wife some day somebody with blue blood and precision pretension and nothing else my people will be happy and the family name will be safe and what will become of her oh she's all right she won't break her heart about me she isn't that sort of girl tom caruthel said gloomily don't you know i admire her immensely philip i believe she's good enough for anything maybe she's too good that's what her aunt hinted her aunt who's she she's a sort of snapping turtle a good sort of woman too i took counsel with her do you know when i found it was no use for me to try to see lois i asked if she would stand my friend she was as sharp as a fish-hook and about as ugly a customer and she as good as told me to go about my business did she give you reasons for such advice oh yes she saw through julia and mother as well as i did and she spoke as any friend of lois would who had a little pride about her i can't blame her silence fell again and lasted while the two young men walked the length of several blocks then mr dillwyn began again tom there ought to be no more shilly-shallying about this matter no more yes you're right i ought to have settled it long ago before julia and mother got a hold of it that's where i made a mistake and do you think it's too late tom hesitated it's too late i've lost my time she has given me up and mother and julia have set their hearts that i should give her up i am not a match for them is a man ever a match for a woman do you think dillwyn if she has taken something seriously in hand will you go to europe next spring perhaps i suppose so if you do perhaps i will join the party that is if you all let me so the conversation went into another channel End of chapter 17